0: Just get something out there can actually really damage us down the road if we do it incorrectly. So we say a lot we got to think long term in the company because every API we put out there is kind of forever because we don't want to break experiences down the road. So we really do look for long term thinkers at all levels of seniority.
1: Many tech companies have embraced a strategy to move fast as possible despite potential costs to people, processes and even their products but are the costs really worth it? Dan Sturman, the CTO of Roblox, reveals an alternative strategy to create thoughtfully and carefully so that everything is built to last. He shares how Roblox seeks to find employees who share this vision to create in ways that consider a longer view. Enjoy the episode. Dan, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Albert. Very happy to be here.
1: All right, listen, I'm gonna tell you right now that my kids play Roblox, both of them and they, in fact they ask me for Robux sometimes so I had to buy uh, I had to buy shares of it so I could pay myself. Uh, it's very popular. but for those people who don't know what Roblox is, Dan, could you please describe what is Roblox and also what makes it special because it's a really unique community I think that plays this game.
0: I always like to start with what Roblox is not. It's not a game. What it is, it's a platform. And it's a platform where a whole bunch of creators and developers can come and bring their ideas and build the experiences they have in mind. So it's all 3D, meaning you know, you're know you moving around in a 3D world. You can play it and access it on pretty much any device out there, a phone, a PC, Xbox, et cetera. But you get to jump between these worlds, these games. It's very social. People come and play it and experience it with their friends. That's a big part of what's about this. So you just come in, you have a good time. You can do everything from playing a game, maybe a social game where you're kind of like working on a pet or adopting a pet to a first person shooter, to doing things like shopping experiences or being in a live concert, right? So it's just really varied. It's hard to say it's exactly this one thing, but it's this platform, incredible user community, incredible developer community that kind of come together on the platform.
1: Okay. I'm glad you corrected me because I didn't mean to call it a game. I mean, you can play games on it. That's very good. And that's the really fascinating thing about this because my kids don't call it by the individual developer games. To my understanding is like you mentioned, you've created a platform. So if I'm a developer or if I have an idea and I can understand the platform, I can build a world, a game, an interaction and experience for someone else to enjoy. And my kids can like selectively pick and choose the things that they want to play. But they call it playing Roblox. They don't ever call it by like it's secondary game or that's just, you know, an example of two people. But give us an idea behind like the ethos. Like how did it come about? Because it's a really fascinating thing because everyone else, when they think of games, they think of, oh, a company's going to put together a single linear thing. You've created a platform for everyone to build worlds. This is pretty fascinating. Give us an idea like the ethos behind it, how it came about.
0: Yeah, so this all started actually back at Dave's first company, Dave Bazuki's first company, and he was the founder of Roblox. And he was building their company that basically did educational physics simulation software. And he saw kids were putting this stuff together, like cars and stuff, and kind of crashing them into each other to see what happens. He said, hey, what if we built an experience which was all about simulating the real world as much as possible, some fundamental rules, and anyone could come and build anything they wanted, and then see what happened?" And that has been our ethos from the start. So you're right. Your kids may say, I'm going to go play Roblox, but Roblox, the company, to make any of the content they're playing, right? They're just coming and doing stuff. It's because it's all about this creative process is really at our roots and then be able to share that with friends easily. And of course, friends grows from friends you know, that, that you know to like a million of your closest friends who are all excited about the content you made, probably like your kids. They probably don't know the developers of these experiences, but it just grows organically like that. And that really is our ethos. It's about this creation. It's about simulating the real world as much as makes sense. And by doing that, rather than saying, hey, we have this tight vision of what any Roblox experiences, we give all this freedom because we just rely on the laws of physics, you know, springs and gravity and how materials interact and collide. And that's what drives the behavior. So we have the elemental level so creators can do whatever they want and just do crazy stuff we never would have imagined.
1: I saw my kids playing like this roller coaster simulator, which I thought like it was a game, like I thought it was like, oh that's because I've seen advertisements for like roller coaster tycoon, but it's like, no, these people took the foundation of roblox, you've programmed in the laws of physics, and now people are building, and I'll say people because I keep saying kids because it's of course through my lens of my children, but I understand developers everywhere and people of all ages are playing this and interacting with these experiences. I was watching this, and I was kind of taken aback because it was like, these people are building what I thought were other games and stuff, but like people are building these experiences inside of Roblox, which is pretty crazy. And like, I saw like the simulations and stuff. You mentioned you guys program in the laws of physics so that people say, Hey, it's a simulated world, but it's going to be governed by something. Give us an idea about that decision. Cause you kind of hinted at it earlier, but I'd love to keep expanding on it.
0: No, very conscious. And it goes back to where Dave started. And and by the way, a developer can overrule any of these rules we put in there. But the idea is that we're trying to pick, if you think about physics, it's the elemental rules that govern our universe. We're trying to govern our universe, trying to do the same thing here. Why? Because if you go too high level, now we're presupposing, like you could have built a Roblox that was only made for first-person shooter games or something like that. And it might make some things easier that, you know, oh, everyone has, I don't know, a gun or armor or shields or something like that. But then that's all you would ever build. So by building at this really common level, and you know, going back to what you said about like roller coaster tycoon, you can build in that too. So now we have meta building. The developer has built an environment where the player comes in and can in the experience build themselves. That's for us like the power of this platform, that it's just how do you just unlock people's creativity and let them come and create and have fun. And it's not necessarily a game, you're not necessarily winning in a roller coaster simulator. I mean, if you think about what a game is, it's more about having fun, doing things socially, showing off your creative ideas. Everyone's a creator on Roblox, right? Whether it's just your avatar or your building experience or you're in one of these experiences that lets you create, everyone on Roblox is a creator.
1: My kid, just to echo what you said, he, he started building something. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I want to see how high my hill has to be to go through 100 loops. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. Uh, and, and at first I was taken aback as I'm a product of the eighties, it's like games had a linear story you had to solve a problem. And there was like an end. And he was like, well, I was like, well, how does this, how do you win? He's like, what do you mean?
0: You know, <laughs> like right, gone. right. Now there are experiences on Roblox, of course, that might be linear. Like that's all up to the creator. But as you see, what's really popular, people want to be creators. So the experiences that let you create are extremely popular on the platform. And then for yourself, when did you kind of
1: start thinking, okay, this is a possibility. Like I want to be part of the team because you, you know, like obviously Roblox was around before you joined, um, you know, I'd love to, you know, share with the audience when you joined, but also share what drew you in, like what it was like, oh man, this is pretty compelling stuff. Cause you came from a really great company as
0: well. I joined in 2020 before that, my employer before that was a company called Cloudera, which did big data software, very, very, very different space, like opposite end of the spectrum. And before that I worked at Google. Before that, I worked at IBM. So that's like my whole career in a nutshell, right? And, you know, what got me excited about Roblox when I was looking for what I was going to do next, and I took a little bit of time after Cloud Era to just kind of decompress and relax and, and then just figure out what I wanted to do next. I really wanted to do something that I felt could be in everyone's hand, in everyone's home, right? In a really productive, positive way. But I also want to do something, and this is a little bit selfish, where the tech was really cool. It's like, if I'm going to be... A chief technology officer somewhere. I want the tech to be a lot of fun, right? And Roblox kind of checked both those boxes. I saw what this was and I talked to Dave extensively and like could see where this could go, right? And I said, yeah, we could, this is simulating the universe. Like we weren't throwing around the metaverse term in quite the same way then, but this is simulating the universe. This could do everything. But then also I thought about the technical challenges behind it. One thing I really wanted wasn't just to work on the technology I knew well, but to get stretched into areas I didn't know well. So you, you look at Roblox and we're doing everything from like physics and 3D graphics. We're doing extensive deep learning. We're building our own cloud. We're bis- We're kind of the biggest cloud provider you never heard of because we're doing all this backend work for our devs. And so I got to continue my love of systems. We're building developer tools. It's just like the breadth of technology in this company is really, really exciting. So, you know, Roblox kind of checked all the boxes for me and like Dave had this vision and I could see how this could impact everyone's life again in a positive way. You know, the safety and civility aspect of Roblox is so key to what we do. And I love that that was baked in. It wasn't just, oh, we'll figure that out when things get out of hand. Like they were thinking about it. So all those things are what what led to my like landing here.
1: You know, you mentioned some of the technical challenges, right? So you mentioned you're building, like I you said, you're the biggest public cloud and no one realizes it's a public cloud, right? You're building this, which means, are you relying on like the microservices of other clouds? Are you building this all internally? I mean, because when I think of it, the amount of latency and compute that you have to account for, all these different players, millions of players interacting in different worlds, you don't get to govern what they're doing in any way. Like they can go wherever they want, and you gotta you're rendering these worlds for everybody simultaneously, all without a hitch. That sounds pretty hard.
0: While we do. Let's say the periphery use some of the the larger cloud providers just because. The effectiveness of their services most of what we serve and do we do out of our own data centers out of our own hardware. we do that for the reasons you mentioned like we've where we need to be and where our users need to be won't be where the public clouds are at and latency is key to this. We also know exactly the sort of hardware we need to optimize for our workloads we want to be able to do that. We also the reliability being able to control our own networks and, you know, have our own fiber and stuff actually makes a huge difference in reliability of the network. And without the network, this doesn't work. The last point I'll mention also is cost. Like, because we we know our workloads so well, we can be much more efficient. Every dime we save on serving costs can go right into the hands of developers. And that's a big part of something we focus on. It's like, how do we continually focus on upping the, the share that developers get off the platform? Because we know... If they're motivated and they're doing well and they're being rewarded for it, they're just going to build more great content. So those are all the reasons we really focus on kind of building our own stuff out. But it's also, you know, there's some really unique workloads we're going to be doing. So in the future, I think, you know, building our own hardware is going to end up on steroids. Like we're going to really be doing some cool things where we optimize not just the specs of an individual box, but like how do we interconnect boxes so we can run, let's say, a 50,000 person, rock concert, where everyone is in the stadium screaming at the same time. And we make that work on our backend and then it can work on your phone without frying your phone out at the same time. That's kind of where we're headed on that stuff.
1: Yeah. And give us an idea, you know, whether it's through games, whether it's through players, you know, I'd love for our audience to kind of understand like how quickly this experience, this platform is scaling. Cause you know, you've only been there for two years, but like any platform, it starts with, you know, a handful and it quickly grows to something. Roblox is obviously publicly traded. We've seen the numbers that can be shared, but I'd love to hear from your perspective like to give our audience who is more technical like an idea of like how big of a project this has been for you and because you've mentioned like this is like a big challenge and a fun challenge, but a big challenge
0: so today we have this is about a quarter too old, but we have about just short of 50 million daily actives on the platform, right so it's a lot of folks and on a quarterly basis, I think we measured that it just a little bit over 11 billion engagement hours. There's a lot of time spent here. It's worldwide. We're seeing the biggest growth, not surprisingly, in parts of the world that aren't the United States. As Roblox gets discovered, it kind of follows a general trend because it's so social that you start to see like it take off, and people's friends get on it, and they all do it together, and they want to hang out and stuff like that. So you start to see these things take off really nicely. So we still have a long ways to go. Like you know, there's parts of the globe that. We could be even more engaged at, we're excited about that. As you mentioned earlier, we've done a good job starting to appeal to a much wider age demographic, but there's still more we can do on that. You know, we're more than 50% 13 plus, but we could see ourselves in the future being more than 50% 17 plus very easily. Like we're on a good trend, won't happen overnight. But those just are all gonna push on the dynamics of scaling, along with the sorts of experiences, like that growth in international, that growth on age. Drives the developer community to come up with things more appropriate for those audiences, and they come up with new crazy things to do that drive our workloads in interesting ways. You know, like the fifty thousand person rock concert, as an example.
1: As you were just talking, I because we've been fortunate enough to be with so many different companies on this show, I was thinking about the story of um, Legos, actually. How you know, when Legos started, it was of course a kid's toy, and still primarily a kid's toy. But because the older generation, like myself, I've played with Legos, and then my dad played with Legos, it's easier to bring other kids into the fold. So, you know, we can assume that the people that are building on Roblox today will continue to build on Roblox, different experiences in the future, and of course, bring their the next generation with them. It's going to be pretty interesting. You know, one of the things that gets more people doing great things is, of course, you need the builders, the creators. You already mentioned them a couple of times. Like you need, the more people that know about especially for the older, maybe that older demographic, right? Like you said, it's really hard to predict what anyone wants. So having a community of builders gives you the best opportunity to build something that someone else wants. Talk about Roblox education. Is it something that is happening? Do you ever foresee this as being like courses in college? Like how do you how do you encourage the education of developers or creators to learn that this is a world that you can build in? Because I've read articles about how like people are they're making money. Like this is their business. Like they actually create things in the Roblox world to earn income and pretty interesting, fascinating things that are all happening on this platform.
0: Going back to where Dave was at, education has always kind of been at the root of what we're doing here. And, you know, one of the most exciting things, and I heard this a lot, like as the pandemic started to unfold about two years ago, people getting their first taste of programming at a very young age running the platform, right? Because it's so easy to do. You can create an obstacle course, what we call an obby, very easily with just a slight amount of coding. It's not scary at all and build that out. And then people taking their careers forward and moving informally to the point where I was talking to one of our developers who had just finished a college degree, and they're like, yeah, I shouldn't have majored in computer science. I kind of learned it all on Roblox already. It was kind of a waste of my time, right? <laughs> but now also we're starting to go back and say, look, we have an opportunity to really influence STEM, and we have a big educational effort that's starting to engage both at the university and the K-12 level and trying to figure out how do we take these things that have been happening organically and make them a little bit more systematic? And what features do we need to add to do it? So for example, if you're doing this in the classroom, it needs to be a little bit more controlled. It's just every kid on the platform. Like teachers need to be able to say, you can do this, you can't do that. You know, there's kind of structure that you need in a classroom environment. So we're starting to look at those things as well. But I think the world's been struggling with how do we do a better job on STEM education for a long time, and particularly the, how do you democratize that STEM education and make it really accessible? And I'll tell you this, having your first taste of programming, building a cool game that you can share with your friends in five minutes versus it being, you know, intro to Python and let's like do a sort of a list. I mean, like they don't compare with each other <laughs> at all, right? And so I think there's a real opportunity here to just kind of build this all out and and help create um, a world where, like, you know, I think a lot of people's barriers to get into tech or programming is like, oh, that's too hard for me. And I think Roblox shows you it's not. It's actually very approachable.
1: If I go back to my kid, what was he doing? Right, He was kind of teaching himself a little bit of physics. And when you were describing that, I kept thinking about, you know when I was growing up, going to high school, taking physics, why did we actually have to calculate the oscillation of a spring? The reality is because that was a cheap material that you could provide to everybody. So, that was the experiment you could run. It was literally the lowest cost experiment and that required physics and you could calculate it. And so- We've literally, as a society, just kind of like you hit at it, like science education has actually been, the curriculum is very much so factored by what experiments can you actually do in the classroom. But if you could unlock that and start doing bigger and better experiments, I agree with you. Kids naturally would be more interested in finding out, you know, how many pounds per square inch does it take to blow up an object than, than, or smoosh an object than it is to calculate the oscillation of the spring. Either way, you're, you're calculating and learning how the laws of physics apply to real world objects. It's just that in one, the experiment can be anything. And then in the other, the experiment's a spring,
0: which is lame. And you know, it's not limited to STEM. And I should have called this out earlier. And thanks for triggering this in my mind. Imagine your history class is going to learn about ancient Egypt. Imagine if you want to experience where historians have gotten together to create as realistic an ancient Egypt experience as we can piece together. Like that's so much more engaging than going through just a textbook. So you could do this for almost any subject. Yes, with science, you can experiment with that. And I think physics is a great example. We're doing things with some companies, education companies, and robotics. I think we'll definitely show that. But you can also take it over to learning about history. Or we're starting to see some experiences show up around mental health and meditation and so on on the platform, right? So this 3D environment gives you a huge amount of opportunities to kind of bring to life almost any material that you want to teach or talk about.
1: I can definitely see this helping to impact education in a great way. For yourself, when you think – because you kind of hinted at it earlier, you know, you guys basically – like you said, you kind of created a metaverse before it was – metaverse was a cool term, before companies were changing their names to say they were going into the metaverse. You you were kind of already there. Roblox is very much a steward of this concept. How do you envision like the next five years playing out? Whether you know it's for the market or just for Roblox, like what are you working on? How what do you think about? What are you hoping to unlock in the next five to ten years?
0: You know, first, I think this democratization of content creation is clearly going on. That's what we were just talking about. But that dropping the bar, making it easier for things to be built in powerful ways, but very simply, right? So Both what we do with our tools, but also then like inexperienced creation and just everyone becomes a creator. We're seeing artists on the platform. Maybe we'll find a way to get writers on the platform at some point. You know, like there's a lot, this democratization of creation is just, I think, really powerful. But then other directions we're going is this becoming a new way for social interaction. Never in my mind, to replace face to face interaction, but augment it. You know The fact you and I can get together, we're in very different parts of the country. I think this would be more compelling if we're actually doing this at the five-year future Roblox, right? Because we'll actually be able to kind of see each other's expressions a bit more in a context of where we're meeting. Maybe we're kind of actually in front of a fire with a fireside chat. Probably at that point, that fire is much more realistic if that's what we want it to be. There might even be an audience where we can see the facial expressions. You know, like you give a talk in front of a live audience, like, are they asleep? Are they awake and observant? Like, you can tell this stuff when you start connecting, let's say, the camera to the facial expressions on your avatar. So like a, a measure I use there is can I go give a talk somewhere, be in the virtual world, and I still know if I'm boring or exciting the audience, right? Like, that's an important thing to be able to do. So I just think the level of interaction is going to get much richer combined with the creativity just means we'll be able to apply this anywhere and it'll help, you know, just shrink the globe one more level because I'll be able to do it with not just folks in my immediate area where I got on an airplane, but let's say folks from Russia or India or France or South Africa, and we'll all just be in the same environment, be able to hang out and do these sorts of things together. So that's how I view it. And I think a big part of it's going to be like being able to bring my own identity that I'm comfortable with into here. I think it's one of the big differences about like these metaverse platforms is kind of your core identity being able to safely connect with my friends the whole civility aspect for us is really huge. I don't know if everyone else will follow us on that, but the safety civility thing just it shouldn't be about trolls and like crazy volatility. It should be I don't want to go to a conference and like be heckled. I don't want to go to the shopping mall in real life and be heckled like the same thing in the metaverse. Like you should be able to go to places which are reasonable and there's standards of behavior and so on. So and then we just bring as much reality as the creator wants to it. And that's where like higher res graphics and larger groups come to bear. And in some experiences you may not want that. Like there are people who love our current look and feel of Roblox and that's not going away. It's going to be there and it just fits a certain sort of experience extremely well, but we want to give optionality. So I just really see better materials, more realistic avatars, larger scale, better sound and light incorporation, all these sorts of things just kind of coming into the environment.
1: So when I hear you talk about this stuff, my mind starts defaulting to like, well, how's he going to build this? And what does he need? Because you're going to need technologies that don't exist yet. And you're going to need capacity that's not available yet to do some of these cool things you're talking about. And so I can see why you guys are, you know, Roblox, the company is so invested in building its own hardware, because of course, my knowledge is very limited compared to yours. But when you talk about something like giving a live international conference with streaming people's faces, understanding and recognizing what people are, people interested and exciting. Well, that means bandwidth to move all these images, right? AI processing to tell me very quickly, what is the mood? You didn't say this, but I'm imagining almost like a live translation experience probably. So if I talk in English and you're in India, you hear it in Bengali and my friend in, you know, or someone who's listening in Hong Kong hears it in Chinese, you know, like,
0: and probably with a voice font, by the way. So I can sound just the way I might want to dress my avatar up the way I can sound the way I want to sound up. So if I want a Donald Duck avatar, I can sound like Donald Duck. 200 languages at the same time. And 200 <laughs> languages at the same time. That's right. And being able to do all that, you know, within a latency envelope that doesn't kill the magic of the interaction. Like you don't want a two second delay on that. So a lot of this tech, a lot of it is there and we're, we're starting to push on it, you know, In a different environment, I could give you a demo of some of the things we're doing with what we call dynamic heads, where you're seeing facial expression appear without a mocap suit. You see people being captured because of their camera on their avatar, great speech coming out of that and custom avatars. But then there's a lot of stuff we still have to develop, right? Like you said, like the real-time automatic translation, we can see it's doable, but there's some innovation that has to really happen to make that go. Large-scale events, some real innovation has to go. How do you detect inappropriate discussion in a group setting in real time. Also, it's like the translation problem. A lot of things we got to do there. And like, as you mentioned, the scale, we're just going to be working on that too, so.
1: In my previous stint in software, we were trying to do some NLP work for a movie theater chain. And they said the biggest problem was, I can't tell if they're talking about the movie or they're talking about the experience because we only govern the experience. We don't control the movie, right? So if they say this is nasty, well, what's nasty? Like, are you watching a horror movie and that's good? Or are you watching a kid's movie? That's bad. Or you talk about this the floor and now that's really bad for me because I'm the movie theater operator. And there's other instances like that because you mentioned like the colloquialisms we talk with don't line up well to AI right now.
0: But it'll get there. It's it's getting there. So, you know, it's it's just a small matter of code and we'll we'll get ourselves there and push it on the technology. And that's one of the things we love to do at Roblox. I, I mentioned before, the tech is what brought me here. Like- These technical challenges are exciting and we have a really strong team. So you're gonna see some magical stuff coming out of us this year and the following year. So I'm pretty excited about our roadmap.
1: So one of the things that CTOs everywhere, every time we talked with CTO or CIO, they talk about right now, which is the challenge of recruiting, recruiting people to come to the organization. Now, Roblox on the surface seems like a mega fun experience. Like I hear, you know, it seems like a really fun thing to build. Talk about like for recruiting for you, like, has it been a challenge? Do you have a lot of people that want to apply? Is it like more like, Hey, there's plenty of applicants, but not enough skill. Give us an idea of what you're looking for at the company right now.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, short answer is yes. And yes, we have a ton of great applicants. We need more than we got like everyone else. We really do try to set, make sure someone's a really good match, set a high bar in our recruiting practices because we're building on this great tech, and we also, it goes beyond skills, goes to the culture of the company. I think we have a really great culture at Roblox. Teams are really respectful of each other. They're mission-driven. We understand we're building something bigger. It's not about necessarily just the individual. It's about, hey, we're enabling this sort of creation and so on. We want to make sure that gets preserved as we go through. Another thing we do, because we're a platform, we really need to take a long-term view on things. Just getting something out there can actually really damage us down the road if we do it incorrectly. So we we say a lot we got to think long term in the company because every API we put out there is kind of forever because we don't want to break experiences down the road. So we really do look for long term thinkers at all levels of seniority in the company. Like it's not just my job or Dave's job to think long term. It's pretty much anyone with even a modicum of leadership that has to be thinking long term about what we do. So it basically goes down to every engineer. And we're doing some innovative things to find talent. Like uh, if you are applying a new college grad to Roblox, we actually now have you play a Roblox game. But it's a very specialized Roblox game where we have a team of learning scientists that kind of look at how it plays out afterwards and understand what are your um, strategic thinking skills and creative skills and problem solving skills look like. We've calibrated this. We have some very, very smart learning scientist types who help us with this. But you're also engaging in our product and our experiences. as you do this as well. So that helps us. What that helps us do is we don't have to say, oh, we're only going to recruit at, let's say, these 15 universities we can send people to. We can like open this up to anyone in the world who's coming out of a, a university or maybe eventually, we haven't gotten there yet, but didn't even go to university, but just self-taught, but entry level. And they can kind of prove to us without like the... All the challenges that exist with resumes and the way that works, they could just show us what they could do and that they're kind of aligned. we're going to continue to push on those sorts of tricks as well. The more people we could talk to and help find those matches, the better we'll do on recruiting.
1: What you said about the long term view is certainly not the same as what a lot of the software companies that have been on our show have said. Facebook famously "Move Fast and Break things" was a kind of a mantra adopted by a lot of software companies for for a long time to hear in my opinion, a refreshing thing is as someone who's built on APIs, I can't tell you how frustrating it was to support the social media platform APIs, because it seemed like every day it was like, oh, this doesn't work anymore.
0: We have experiences that are years old and basically have no one maintaining them and they still run. And by the way, they still generate revenue for the creator. We really are careful about ever anything that's a breaking change. We don't think that's respecting our community. And that's a big thing we care about is respecting that community. We don't go break stuff on them.
1: As your company grows, you're also facing head-on with a challenge that many CTOs, CIOs face, which is privacy and protection. And you know, when I think of it, you have tons of kids, tons of adults. That can sometimes be a dangerous mix. People have to maintain personal privacy. You also have a lot of payments information on it, right? People are, I mean, I've dropped my credit card on Roblox. So you have financial information, you have personal identifiable information. Talk about the lengths Roblox goes to secure these pieces of information, because like as you said, your your world's just going to get bigger. It's not going to get smaller. It's going to get bigger. You're going to have more credit cards, more people, more kids, more adults, more older. Like when I think of my my mom, who's older, like she's entering the age where she's vulnerable to being tricked. You know what I mean? Like, how do you protect information?
0: No, that's right. So we actually have a really big team on just the safety and trust aspects of this alone, and then we have a security team on top of that. And we also have a whole team focused on accounts and account protection. Because as you mentioned, these accounts are economic entities and therefore common targets. So what's interesting about this whole space, it keeps everyone on their toes. It's not like you implement the feature and you're done. It's an adversarial system, unfortunately, right? There's always people trying to post content that isn't appropriate. There's always people trying to snag accounts and, you know, particularly with kids they don't set great passwords, right? So we're really looking at what are the alternate authentication mechanisms? How do we invent multi-factor authentication? And is it too complex and can work for all these demographics? I mean, I guess I'd say kids set bad passwords, but let's face it. The average person sets terrible passwords, right? Oh, yeah. Isn't the number one password still password one, two, three? Probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, how do we not, not keep saying, well, the answers just make people make better passwords, but think about authentication mechanisms that allow the human to move away from this unnatural thing called a password and do something that's safer, right? Whether it's the devices you own that we know you own, maybe face and voice print at some point, but you got to do that in a secure way so it doesn't freak people out and doesn't open privacy concerns. But really, we, we have a whole team kind of focused on that aspect. And then another team, the safety team really focused on, is the content safe? Are people chatting and now talking safely in ways that are respectful? Can we detect patterns in the creepiest situations with just bad behavior, and how quickly can we detect them? We can detect all these things. It's really like latency. Someone posts a completely inappropriate experience. How long before we take that down? And we've got that in most cases down, like in the under five minute sort of time frame, right? So we move very quickly on stuff. So it's never perfect, unfortunately. I wish it could be, but again, because it's adversarial, people respond to what we put in place. So we're always looking and watching, but it's just a, such a huge focus for this company. Everyone is on board and understands like kind of safety is job number one before we do anything else.
1: I can see it through the way you talk, right? You talked about like how how you want to be treated in public spaces. It's the same thing, same concept. Once that trust is challenged or compromised, you just got to work harder to bring it back. So I love the hearing that you guys are long-term thinking constantly. This is number one, actually, despite all the other things that we're doing there. Cool, like- People don't feel safe. People don't feel like their records are kept private. It's a challenge.
0: Right, right. We don't launch and figure out safety later. Like that is not the way we do it. You know, it's gotta be part of the launch plan.
1: It's very different from other tech companies. It's really refreshing to hear. You know, especially as a parent, you know, my kids and my credit cards are on the system. (laughs) Right, right. If anyone's listening, who's never experienced Roblox, we can assume that they're, let's say they're over 20. Most of the people on listen to our show are older. You know, this show's really boring for a kid. My kids have listened to it. They're like, this sucks, dad. I can't believe you do this for a living. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they'll listen to this one. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Give us an idea of what would you recommend someone trying? Like if I've never tried Roblox before, because I'll be straight up, I have actually never tried it. I've seen it. I've never tried it. What would you recommend someone to, like how should they get started?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit hard because it all depends on what you like. But I think a really easy gateway is maybe just start with one of our music or brand experiences. They really do aim well at older demographics. So like just last weekend we had DJ Goetta on like doing a music thing for 45 minutes. That was kind of cool. We have a formula one reveal coming up um, in the next week or so. And these things, first of all, not a long time commitment. You can put a toe in the water. And again, I'm really aiming at your older demographic here. You know, we did stuff with Gucci, with Nike, with Ralph Lauren. And, you know, on the Gucci, when you could buy real virtual items that were like official Gucci items virtually and and so on. So we're doing these all the time. And that might be a great place to try it out. But there's also some just like great games on there that are more aged up. There was one I was playing the other day, I think, Tank Battles by IndieBox Studios. And like they really aimed on pushing the edge on our graphic fidelity and so on. If you kind of like a shooting game, but not everyone does. Right. But if you do, that's a great one to try out. So... You never know what you're going to find. So like, I'll tell you, my favorite game on the platform is just really quirky. And I've yet to find someone else at Roblox who will say this is their favorite game, but it's called Shipping Lanes. All you do is you steer a shipping container ship around from port to port, offload your containers. I just find it so zen. I'm out on the water and like, <laughs> I don't have to think a lot. except when I get to port. For some reason with what I do in my work life, I just like love tooting around and doing that and you know, buying and selling containers and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun.
1: So based on the vast array of suggestions you just had, it's, I mean, it sounds like there's probably some type of search functionality where...
0: Absolutely, yeah. There's search function and we're getting better each day at what we kind of call zero day recommendations based on your demographics and start. Like we will hone in on what you like once you start doing stuff. You spend more time here, less there. We'll give you recommendations. The trick is always that day zero recommendation. And we're putting a lot of time into making that better.
1: It's one of the weird things about older demographics is like choice is actually not good for them. Like they, when they get overwhelmed by choice, right? And you're like, right. well, I don't know where to start. And that's a common thing you'll hear in an older demographic or a kid will like dive
0: right in. Like I'll try them all. Adults are like, <laughs> like I can't figure it out. Yeah. I got to pick the right one right now. And it's like, you really don't, you really don't. You can just go try stuff and see what's exciting.
1: So if you're listening, Dan covered a huge array of experiences. I mean, you're talking about sports, you're talking about fashion, talking about music, talking about games. It sounds like there's a, you know, like you said, there's tons of different things that anyone can try.
0: That's right. It's just really broad and it's getting broader every day. Like I said, the, the newest one I heard about was this mental health experience. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. People can come together you know, in kind of a mental health environment virtually because they can't get together physically, but you get the 3D environment and so on around that. So that, that's also just new stuff every day. I never know what I'm going to find on the platform.
1: Dan, it was awesome having you on the show. Thanks for explaining exactly how Roblox works. Honestly, I kind of got fired up while you were talking about it. I'm going to go check it out now because now I think I'm feeling like there's probably some hidden gems in there. Or well, not even hidden gems. It's I've not looked and I'll probably find something pretty compelling in there. I always thought it was a kid's game. I'm glad you explained this because I think there's a lot of parents out there that probably don't really realize that there's probably an experience for them as well.
0: And maybe an experience for them to play with their kids that's somewhere in between that everyone can have fun with. Like I said, doing it with your friends and family is half the fun.
1: I'm going to take that recommendation. I'm gonna report back. But Dan, I want to say thank you for joining us today on IT Visioners. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Dan, this is where we ask you questions outside of your world of Roblox, although, you know, we know work and life always mixes, but it's so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. You ready? Yep. All right. Outside of the world of Roblox, do you also play video games?
0: I do some. I'm awfully busy, but uh, my favorite, right now I'm spending a lot of time on Pathfinder Kingmaker, which is a little bit old, but I love it. And almost anything by Paradox Interactive, I love. And what does Paradox Interactive do? They do like these big kind of historical simulation sort of games.
1: Okay, there's a pattern now. We got.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got that's right.
1: When you're not gaming, what are some of your other interests? You mentioned guitar. We can see a Ramones. For those not watching the YouTube channel, the Ramones are on the background. I'm assuming, I don't know what's below that as a record cover, but.
0: The Led Zeppelin 3, and we got a Green Day one, and we got, I think, one by uh, Yes, actually. Yeah.
1: You mentioned you play guitar. So what are some of your favorite songs to play?
0: Like Roblox, playing with people is the most fun, you know, and COVID has put a real damper in that, but I still practice hoping. The, the friends I hang out with and jam with will get together real soon. and We were just emailing about that. So I hope to do that soon. Other things I love to do, cooking's a big part. My wife and I cook together every weekend. Um, but my personal favorite, I'm really into barbecue when I have the time. Low and slow, spend the whole day just watching a cooker go. Brisket or ribs are my favorite things to do there.
1: Are you a pellet smoker or are you a stick?
0: No, I had a pellet grill actually. You know, my year off, I did some reviews for a barbecue site. So I kind of got a pellet smoker for free out of that. But I just gave it away because I just prefer, I have a a vertical charcoal smoker with wood on it and I just, I like to go old fashioned on that. It's a great smoker.
1: All right. So now we got to ask you, you said you mentioned ribs. Do you like to do in the dry or the wet?
0: I always do mine with just a little bit of sauce finish at the end. I like them best that way.
1: (laughs) When it comes to food, have you traveled specifically to eat a specific dish?
0: I wouldn't say a specific dish, but my wife and I always pick our vacation spots based on what we can eat there. I mean, even back to when our kids were little, couldn't really go much places. We used to truck up to Maine because put the kids to bed and beer and some lobster and you're good, you know, even if you can't go out. It was just fantastic. You know, tend to travel places with great cuisine. I've done a barbecue tour with my brother. We did China a few years ago. Hope to do Spain this upcoming summer if the world opens up nicely, you know, so always pick places with great menus. Dan, it was
1: awesome having you on the show today. Thanks for sharing your stories about yourself and you know, most importantly, sharing what's happening at Roblox. You are the metaverse before people called it a metaverse. It's pretty exciting to hear what's happening there and who knows what's being built right now. Like every day you probably log in like, I didn't know that was there. (laughs) That's (laughs) right, that's right. (laughs) Creators keep topping each other.
0: Yep, thank you very much, Albert. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on.